Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Well, here at North Point, we have said that 2023 is our year of our year of legacy and we are going with this idea this uh, big idea this motto throughout the year of live the legacy that you want to leave to live the legacy that you want to leave we we hear a lot in society and in culture about leaving a legacy but you can never leave anything greater than you lived. And so as we talk about this idea of legacy, we, we want to go into the scriptures and read about some of the people in the scriptures who, who left the legacy. And then we want to look at their lives and see how they left that legacy. And, and uh, a portion of scripture that we're going to be talking about a lot this year is Hebrews chapter 11. We were kind of referred to this as the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, many, many uh, characters of the Bible are mentioned here. Uh, and, and as they're mentioned, their, their stories are briefly mentioned. And, and we want to go today uh, into the, actually the, the first person mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. As we kicked off last week a, a brand new series entitled Better Than Some better than some. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back. You can find that message on podcast. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, But we're going to go into Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 4. And this is what the scripture says. It says, by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now, maybe you not, might not be familiar with who is Cain, who is Abel. I don't really understand what's going on. Let me, let me just take you back into the book of Genesis here. And just real briefly, we'll, we'll get a snapshot of their story. Uh, God created uh, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve had two sons. The first was Cain. The second was Abel. And this is the story as we pick up in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of his firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. I want to bring your attention back to verse 3 and 4 there. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. However, Abel, it says Abel also brought a gift, the best. Everybody say the best. He brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Cain brought some and Abel brought the best. Now, as we get into the story, we see that they are bringing this gift to the Lord. They are bringing this offering to the Lord, and they brought what they had, right? They brought what they had. They, they had uh, animals and crops, and as we kind of read the Old Testament, that's what people bring because that's what they had. But we understand in, in today's society is we, we don't have uh, oxen and, and, and doves and, uh, and, you know, corn, right, like that. We have, we have money, right? We have dollars and we have cents. And so as we, as we work our way into this series, uh, we're going to be reading about some people who are, who are bringing some of the grain and they're bringing some of their animals. And we understand that today we, we bring of, a, of our finances. Now, let me just say this. Uh, don't let the subject of, of money in church like make you nervous. Okay, don't let make you. There, there's not going to be somebody coming around at the end of service picking your pocket. Okay, like that's not happening today. Okay, uh, so everybody can relax and, and take, take a deep breath. But here's what I do know. Money is a significant part of our lives. We talk about it. We complain about it. 
We stress over it, right? And so because it's something that we talk about a lot with just within our conversations and it's something that can create stress and something that can create tension and arguments and things with families. I told you last week the number two cause of divorce in America is, is finances. It was just a clip by social media just a few years ago. It's been the number one cause of divorce in, in, in the U.S. for decades. So this is a, a, a major thing that we are talking about. And now before you start saying, now, you know, if you're new to our community, uh, you might start saying, ah, yeah, everywhere, the church is always talking about money. Okay, listen, we haven't done a series about finances since 2018. All right, and so, so you might have that opinion of like, all oh, churches are always talking about money. But if, you, if you've been a part of our community, you know that this is not something that we do, we do talk about a lot, of which I probably get more on that if people say, Man, we need to talk about this more. And so if that's you, then, okay, good. This is your series, okay? Uh, and, um, and for those who think that's always talking about money, it's been five years, okay? It's been, it's been five years since we talked about it. Uh, so uh, five years is like, what, 250 Sundays, okay? And so this is not something that we always talk about here. However, it is something very important that, that we do need to speak of. Uh, and I think that we, we understand this from Jesus's life, right? Because uh, Jesus, when he told parables, I mentioned this last week, but Jesus told 38 parables. Uh, and of the 38 parables, 11 of the 38 parables had to deal with money. If you talk about possessions and stuff that you have, there's another five on that. So 16 of his 38 were dealing with our stuff and with our finances. So it, this is not something that Jesus shot away from. Why? Because Jesus understood this was something that everybody could relate to. That everybody was going to feel the pressure, the tension, the strain. Everybody was going to have to deal with this thing called money. And I want us to think about it from a little bit of a different lens today. Let's think about it from this way. And that is, there's one thing that we know for certain, and that is that the enemy does not want you to live the abundant life. That's one thing that we know. The enemy does not want you thriving. The enemy does not want you flourishing. The enemy does not want your marriage to be strong, right? The enemy does not want your marriage and and your intimate relationships to be thriving and flourishing. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in peace and joy. That's not what the the enemy doesn't want that. The enemy does not want you to be a blessing to the people around you. The enemy doesn't want you thinking about how you can bless them. The enemy wants you to be worried about you, thinking about how you're going to make it instead of helping other people make it. The enemy doesn't want you living the abundant life. The enemy does not want you to be completely focused on your purpose of building the kingdom of God on the earth. And he can mess all of those things up that we just mentioned with one thing, money. He can steal your peace and your joy. He can mess with your relationships, as we just said, statistically proven. He can get in and he can cause all of these things to begin to break down with just one simple thing. That is with our finances. And that's why we got to talk about it. We have to talk about this because the enemy will use this to keep you from living the life that God created you to live. And that is an abundant life. Life And so last week we started with three questions. These three questions has helped give us a bigger, broader perspective whenever we are dealing with, uh, with fin- finances and money. And it is, these are the three questions. Number one, who do you belong to? Well, you have to answer that question first. Who, who do you belong to? Number two, who does your stuff belong to? Well, if you really believe that because you committed your life to God, now you belong to him. Okay, then who does your stuff belong If you belong to God, then who does your stuff belong to? Your stuff belongs to God. Right, then takes us to the third question of who do you think God is? Is God is God greedy or is he a giver? Is he generous? Who do you think God is? Do you think God is uh, is able to keep his promise, or do you think that God is the one who overpromises and underdelivers? Who do you think God is? And when you start answering that question, to say, I really do believe that God is who he says he is in the Bible, and so therefore I belong to him and my stuff belongs to him, how many know then my stuff could be in no better hands? Because I truly believe who God says he is. Now, let's, let's remember this. Whenever we talk about Jesus, Jesus is always dealing with relationships. So 
he's dealing in everything that Jesus talks about. He's always talking about the condition and the position of our heart. So we have to realize when Jesus is talking about money, he's not just talking about money. When Jesus, Jesus, listen, Jesus is not Dave Ramsey. Okay. (laughs) All right. I mean, when Jesus is talking about money, he's talking about more than money. Jesus is talking about the condition and the position of our heart. Why? Because our heart is important to God. The position and the posture of our heart is the most important. Why? Because relationship is the most important thing to God. So it's, it's number one. Now, we've been talking as we kind of came into this year, and we've been talking about it this year, of like this, uh, this idea of, uh, of what's most important, right? Of asking ourselves, what, what's most important? What's most important, really? And then asking ourselves the second question, is, is what is most important to me most important to God, right? And so, so, so it, as we work our way through that question, if you are a Christ follower, one of the things that has to be most important to us is our relationship with God. It has to be important. And so if that is true, that my relationship with God or the posture of my heart towards God, that is important to me. All right. So now I take that and I go, okay, well, now I've got to be able to measure what's most important. I've got to be able to measure what I need to be able to measure the condition and the position of my heart. I, I love what Seth Godin says. He says that measurement is fabulous unless you're busy, busy measuring what's easy to measure as opposed to what's important. And isn't that what we can do in life? We can start measuring things that aren't really that important and we don't measure what is really important. And so the condition and the position of my heart as a Christ follower, we would say, I mean, that is, is of paramount importance in life. Okay, but how am I gonna how am I gonna how am I gonna measure that, right? So what do I need? I need some indicators, right? I, I, I need some 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 evaluators, I need some indicators, I need some things in my life that are helping me measure where my heart is when it comes to God. And there's a few that I want to give you today. And the first is is time. Time is an indicator. Where is my time going? <laughs> that is a great indicator of where my heart is. Because with time, here, here's two things that happen with time. Either we spend time or we invest time. And most of the time, time that is spent is time that is wasted. And time that is invested, there is a return for the future. But what do we find ourselves saying a lot? I mean, I just don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have time to pray. I mean, come on, I got, I got, I got five kids and, and I got all work is demanding. I got all this stuff going on. Like, I, I just don't have time for that. But yet we've watched every episode of The Bachelor. Right? Okay, I just don't have time. I just don't have time to do that. Well, here is the reality is that we, we spend time and we waste time because here's what I can tell you. I mean, you, you know, what, who, who was the main person on the third season of The Bachelor? You don't know, but you watched it. <laughs> what, what happened on, on, on episode uh, 12 of season six? You don't know. You can't, I don't know, but, but, but it was there. Why? Because it was time spent and really it was like time kind of time wasted, right? I didn't get any return on that. However, you could have taken the time you spent there and you could have invested in somewhere else. You could have invested that time in prayer. You could have invested that time in the word. You could have invested that in some type of kingdom activity. You could have invested that. And guess what? In what you invest, what you, what you get, you get a return. There is a return. So there is time. So what we need to do is we need to measure where is my time going? Where's my time going? So, so that's the, the first thing that we, we can measure when we're measuring what's important. Time is our first indicator, but here is, here is our second, and that is our treasure. Where, where is my money going, right? So where is my time going? Now, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't go watch a movie. Like, don't leave today going, oh, God, I can't watch TV. I can't watch a movie. Well, I can't have any fun in my life. That's not what we're saying, right? It's not what we're saying. But let's don't say I don't have time to do what's important while I find time to do all things that are unimportant. Right? Okay. Just want to be clear there. Don't leave today going like he's just he's a party pooper. He like he has no fun, right? 
The second indicator is our treasure. What, 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 where's my money going? Because here's, here's what our money does. Our, our, our money shows what I value. When I look at where my money is going, right? When I get online and I see all the places that my, or, or if you still in the checkbook, whatever it is, and wherever you are and you get to see this is where my money is going, wherever your money is going, it just reveals to you of what you value. It just shows what's most important to you. It just shows you this, this, is, this is important to me. And this, these are the things that I am choosing to put first in my life. And so whenever we look at these things and we can start seeing and you can start breaking it out, where is my time going? And I would encourage you to, to do a little evaluation. Like where is your time going? And then also to do an evaluation on, on where, is your, is where, where is your money going? And then I want you to see this. Are your activities in alignment with what you want? The activities of your time and the activities of what you're doing with your money. Is it really in alignment with the person that you want to be and the future that you want to have? And if you say no, okay, fantastic. That's awesome. Because now we have an opportunity to do something different. Because whenever we, whenever we measure what's important, then it gives us a chance to do what's next. And that's to begin to manage what's important. So I've got to measure it first. Right, they 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 say uh, in 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 the business world, just just a principle, right? That if you can't measure it, then you can't improve it. So I need to be able to measure where's my time going, and I need to be able to measure where in my finances going. I measure it so that I can do what, so that I can actually do something different with it. So so as as we said, there's measuring, and you have indicators. Now, when I move to managing what's important, right now, what I find is that I need some initiators. Okay, I need, so many, I need some things that are going to help me initiate something different, right? And that word managing, it actually means just to take charge of. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm going to take charge of what's important. Because I have said these things are important, but uh-oh, when I look at my, where my finances are going and I look at where my time is going, uh-oh, I don't, I don't like that. Because those two things show me that what I, what I really want to be most important is not most important. Okay, so when I measure it, now it gives me a chance to improve it and do something different. So now I can take charge of it and I can take care of it by doing something different and I can start managing what's important to me. So I need to measure it first. And then I begin to measure it. And so I need these initiators. Well, let me just give you two initiators, both dealing with time and treasure. And number one, the first initiator is this, to schedule my time. Schedule my time. If you don't run your life, your life will run away from you. It's that simple. If you don't run your life, take charge of your life, your life will run away from you. Destin, I say it all the time. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. And when we talk about things like serving a church, like serving is, is rarely like convenient, right? Like getting here early is like, that's really not convenient. Staying late, it's really not convenient. Listen, whenever it comes to reading your Bible and prayer, there is always something else you could do. Have you ever known? There's always something else that you could do in that moment. And if you have not scheduled it, it will not happen because there's always a room that needs to be cleaned. There's always laundry that needs to be washed. There's always a TV show that your friends have been talking about that you want to catch up on. There is always something else to do. So if I don't schedule it, it means I haven't prioritized it and therefore I cannot manage it and take charge of it. So I've got to make sure it's getting on my calendar. I've got to schedule my time so that my time just doesn't run away from me. Okay, here's the, the second thing. Not only do I need to schedule my time, but I've got to systemize my treasure. I take control of my money. My money does not control me. Same principle as with time. I control my time, and if I don't, it's going to run away. Same thing with my money. If I don't control my money, then my money is going to take charge and my money is going to begin to control me. I, I don't, I don't leave, I don't, I don't leave these decisions up to emotion, right? I don't, I don't leave it up to impulse. I don't leave it up to pressure. I don't leave it up to feeling, right? I, I, I tell my money where to go. Why is this so important? Why do I tell my money where to go? 
I tell my money where to go because my heart will follow. And you're like, wow, that's really good. That's because Jesus said it, okay? Not me, right? <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, that's really good, right? Okay, well, what Jesus said is good because this is what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes. I love the Amplified version. It expands on it. Your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your finances go, wherever you have put that money, that's where your heart will go. That's where your desires will go. That's on what your life centers. Now, we know there's only one exception to this, and that is the monthly subscription we pay to the gym. We pay that so we feel better about ourselves. We don't actually go there, right? But we feel better about ourselves. But everything else in life, wherever your money goes, that's where your heart and your desire and your attention is going to go as well. And Jesus knew this. So this is why Jesus says, hey, Make sure that your treasure is going in the right place because your heart is going to follow your treasure. So to help us manage what's important, right? And we measure it, we manage it. And to help us manage what's important, which is really our heart, right? Let's, let's take it back to what's most, it is our heart. To, to help us manage our, our heart, God gave us some specific instructions about what to do with our stuff, about what to do with our finances to help our heart stay in the right posture. Once again, we need some indicators that we can measure. Because if it's just like, ah, oh, I'm feeling, like I feel kind of close to God, I feel far away from Him, I feel like I'm doing good, I feel, okay, what are we measuring? We gotta have something that we're measuring, right? We gotta, we gotta have some indicators and then I've gotta know, okay, what can I do to move forward in these areas? So I've gotta measure it and then I've gotta manage it. I've gotta take control of it. So God gave us some very clear things that we could do to help our heart stay in the right posture towards him. Two things that we can do to systemize our treasure, right? And, and the first is this. The, the first is this thing called the tithe. Tithe is actually a Hebrew word that means tenth, okay? So whenever you, maybe you've heard in church, you've been in church before, and you've heard people say, y'all, you bring your tithe and your offering. The tithe is, it's the 10%. It's the, it's the first 10% of your income. And now where, where does this come from? We're going to look at a few scriptures here in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, the scripture says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs, everybody says belongs, belongs to the Lord and it is holy to the Lord. The tithe belongs to God. 10% belongs to God. It is sacred and it is set apart for him. Therefore, it is holy because it belongs to God. God said in Exodus chapter 34, he says, the first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock, redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb. But if you don't redeem it, break its neck, redeem all your firstborn sons, no one is to appear before me empty handed. Once again, what we see here is that the first belongs to God. So it's the tithe, it's the tenth. A tenth belongs to God, but then God is very clear about which tenth does belong to him because throughout the Old Testament, he's talking about the first. It's the firstborn. It's even in the, even in the text that we read, read a, a moment ago of what Abel brought to the Lord. He brought the best of his firstborn. And so we're ca catching a glimpse even in that of what God cares about. God wants to be First, it is a tenth and it is first, it is sacred, it is holy. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Because what we get, we take a tenth, the first tenth of that, and we return it back to God. God. And this fits in exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, 33, right? When he said, seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is his way of doing things. So Jesus said, put God's way of doing things, put his kingdom above whatever you are trying to do and whatever opinions you have, take God's way of doing it and God's kingdom and put that first in everything that you do. It's a simple action that does what? Keeps our heart in alignment. It's just a simple action. Here's the, here's the thing about the tithe is that you know if you did it or not. It's like you check the, you check the box or you don't. Like if you said, were you really kind to that person? It's like, well, I mean, well, I wasn't rude. It's a conversation that me and Destiny are always having. Did you say that kindly? Well, it wasn't that mean. Because there's levels, right? There's levels to kindness. And, and could, could you have been kinder? Well, yeah, maybe so. But listen, when it comes to the tithe, God's making it so clear. That's why the indicator is so amazing. Because it's so clear. Either we gave the tenth or we didn't. It's just clear. God's just giving us a very clear indicator. And it's just an action step that I can take that keeps my heart in alignment with the Father. Now, here's the place where people kind of come in and say, but, 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 but Philip, isn't, I mean, isn't the tithe like the Old Testament? Like, isn't that the law, like the law of Moses? And didn't Jesus come for something else? Like, isn't Jesus, didn't, didn't, don't we have a covenant of grace now? How do we get that? Well, well, here's what I would say. The principle of the tithe, it actually predates the law. So before God ever told his people about the tithe, we see the tithe in the scripture. I mean, we see it happening in Genesis chapter 4 when Abel brings the, the best and he brings the first to God. We see it in Abraham. Now, Abraham, we call Abraham the father of our faith. Abraham was not the father of rules, right? He was not the giver of the law. He is the father of our faith. And it says in Genesis 14 about Abraham that he gave a tenth of everything that God blessed him with. So there was no law yet. God had given no instructions, but there was something in Abraham that says, this is holy and this is sacred and you've been so good to me and I want to return this back to you. And Abraham lived that way and, and we see it being passed down from Abraham to Isaac and then Isaac to Jacob. And it says this about Jacob, which was Abraham's grandson. It says that Jacob makes this vow in Genesis 28 verse 22. I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives to me. So everything that God gives to me, I'm giving a tenth back to him. This shows us that the principle of the tithe, it's not a matter of law. It's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of law. It's a matter of gratitude. It's not a matter of law. It's a matter of worship. It's not a matter of rule and law. Instead, it is a matter of relationship. And out of my relationship, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob said, I am going to return to the Lord a tenth of everything he blesses me with. Now, if you, if you were here last week, you remember we read in Psalm 24 where it says that everyone and everything belongs to the Lord. Everyone and everything. But God only asks for a tithe. So before we get like stingy, like saying, is God, God trying to get 10% of all my money? I mean, you know how that works? God, hey, God could have asked for 90 and said, you keep 10. Figure it out, right? That's not what God said. Because God's not stingy and God's not greedy. God's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be aware every month. I want you to be aware every year. I want you to be aware and I want you to choose to put me first because whenever you put me first, your life is going to get better. So God just says, just 10, just, just 10th, right? I mean, that 10 can look real big until you start looking at what he could have asked for, right? And you're like, okay, 10 is pretty good. God, thank you so much for that. So what the Bible says in, in Malachi, Malachi is the, the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Malachi was a, a prophet and he was speaking for the Lord. And this is what God says in Malachi chapter 6. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. 
So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, I have turned away from my decrees. You have turned away from your decrees and, and have not kept them. Return to me, he says, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing God? In tithes and offerings, God says. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe or the whole tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. So where God says, you are robbing me, and he would say, how are you robbing me? He says, you are robbing me of tithes and offerings. You are, you, they were robbing God because they were using God's portion for their own purpose. Because God said, the tenth belongs to me. And you are taking my portion and you are using it for your purpose, whatever you want to do. And God says, so therefore, you are not living under the blessing that I want you to live under. God says, you aren't returning to me. And if we are not returning to him, then we are robbing him. And, and I would say it to you this way, that they were actually robbing God in two ways. Number one, they were robbing God because they were taking what, what did not belong to them, all right, because it belonged to God. God was very clear. The tenth belongs to me. So when you take something that belongs to somebody else, right, you are stealing from them. So you are robbing them. You're taking, and that's what they were doing. But here's the second way that they were robbing God. They were robbing God of the opportunity to bless them. And that's God's ultimate desire. His desire is to open up the floodgates and pour blessing upon you. He wants to rebuke the devourer. He wants to give you favor. He wants you to live in abundance and overflow. That's what he wants. And he wants it so bad that God actually says this is the only portion of scripture where God says this. He says, test me in this. Nowhere else in scripture does God say that you are allowed to test him except this right here. He says, test me. Test me when it comes to the tithe. Test me and see if I will not do for you what I promised I would do for you. And now here, once again, we say, well, I mean, isn't, I mean, Malachi 3, I mean, you just said, right, that's the Old Testament. That's right before Jesus came. And listen, I believe God knew that we would say that. That's why God started out this portion of scripture we just read with, with, this, with this statement, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Because he didn't want to say, oh, well, that was under the law. Hallelujah, we're not under the law anymore, right? And he's saying, no, 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 this came before the law. This was a part of the law, and this exists even now. And even Jesus mentions it. In, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious rulers of, of, of the day. And this is what he says. He says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. I mean, this is whenever I read, I'm like, thank God for dollars and cents, right? I mean, how am I going to be dividing up my cilantro and my celery? Like, okay, 10, right? Okay. And this is the point that Jesus is making. He's like, you are so particular, even your herb gardens, right? Even your herb gardens, you are so particular to get to tithe off of the times you can go. He says, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, right? He says, and faith, right? He said, there's things that are more important than that. But then Jesus comes back, he says, you should tithe, yes. <laughs> like, of course. Of course you should tithe because that's not a law. That goes way before the law. Of course you should tithe because your relationship with God is important. Of course you should tithe because it's a way that we worship. Of course you should tithe because it keeps your, your heart in alignment with the King of Kings. And Lord, of course you should tithe. Jesus says, yes. Of course you should tithe, but do not neglect the more important matters. 
He's saying the tithe is just so clear, you do it or not. But come on, when it comes to justice, mercy, and faith, like, ah, those are, those are muddy waters. He said the tithe is simple. You, you just do it. Of course, you, of course you should give your tithe. Of course you should give your tenth. Continue to give your tenth, but don't ignore these other aspects of the things that God is asking us to do. I love this quote from John Ortberg that says this, Tithing was never intended as a way to pay our debt to God. It has always been a training exercise to cultivate a generous and God-centered heart. When you give back to God, you're not paying some kind of debt. You're not just trying to go, okay, God, am I good now? God, am I good now? Like, oh, I'm just trying to pay my way and tell, oh, I want to be good. I'm trying to get my way in heaven. If I give enough, then maybe God will see me. No, 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 we're not paying a debt. What we're doing is we're, it's a training exercise. We are training our heart to, to, to cultivate a generous and God-centered heart. Now, I know we're, for the sake of time, we're, we're getting to the, to the, to the end of, of our time together today. And so here's what, here's what I would say. Let me just give you the, the, the second way that we systematize, right, our, our, our treasure. It starts with tithe, but here's the second thing, generosity. Generosity. Now, I'm not going to spend uh, much time on this because we're going we're gonna to wrap up today, but he, here's what I would tell you about generosity. You have the tithe. That's the first 10%. Now, watch this. That, that belongs to God. Now, this is where it really gets, like, so you can't really say I gave back to God what belonged to him and I was generous. I'm just returning back to God what he said was his in the first place. Generosity, real generosity, right? Real generosity is whenever we go above the tithe because now I'm being generous with what I have. Because God says, you give me the 10, that belongs to me. Now, the rest of the 90, it belongs to you, and you can do whatever. So now I can choose to be generous with what belongs to me. After I have returned to God what belongs to him, now I can say I can give generously of what God has blessed me with that still is mine. So whenever we talk about the tithe, we're talking about returning. When we talk about generosity, we're really talking about giving. Now, I know we say give your tithe. I understand that. But you understand the bigger picture. It's returning back to God what God says. This is mine. It is holy. It is sacred. And it belongs to me. And so we give God back what he said belongs to him. When we do that, he puts a blessing on the other 90 that we have. And now with that 90, we can choose to be generous in multiple ways. You can sponsor a child uh, through compassion and, and, and pay for their education and food and clothing and all the things. You can... You can support, uh, you can support the Shreveport Bossier Rescue Mission. You can help a struggling family in your North Point group. You can choose to buy 10 uniforms uh, this year at, a, at our back to schools uniform drive. Like you, there's all kinds of, but that is how you can choose to be generous with what, with what you have. That's where generosity really kicks in. Acts 4, verse 32, as we, as we conclude today. And it says this, that all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and would bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They were giving above and beyond. Acts 20 verse 35 says this, you shall remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's when we really begin to live in generosity. We, 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 we have a way to systematize our treasure. There's a way for us to systematize our treasure. And one of the ways that we systemize that treasure is with our tithe. The first 10% of returning it to God. Now, 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 let me just, let me just say this. Liz, we, I know people moving around and we, we were planning on passive bucks. We're going to start doing that first thing. I'll explain it to you in a minute, but we're not, we're not going to do that today. And we're supposed to sing another song, but we've gone way, way too long today. And so we're not going to do that today. That's all the information for the people that are listening. You're out there going, I didn't need to know that, but other people needed to know that. 
because here's the reality when we start talking like this and you say, Philip, 10%? Like, I ain't. I haven't given a dime. Like, how, how, how do I, how do I go to 10%? How do you get there? Like, I mean, this is the, this is the tension that comes up, right? I mean, I give to God occasionally. Like when I hear a need, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I give to God. But I haven't systematized my treasure. Like I, I don't, I don't give God the first part of every paycheck. Like I, I'm not in, I'm not in that routine. Phil, how do I, how do I do this? You start with what you can. You start with what you can, because it's your best in that moment. If all you can do is two percent, let me tell you what God will honor that two percent. Because God knows you're working to give him what he's ultimately asked for, right? So you don't just give 2% and go, oh, well, I guess it's good, right? I guess it's good. No, 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 we're going to take 2% and we'll move to 3% and we move to 4%. We're going to move all the way up. But you start with what you can. Why? Because that's your best. Listen, God's not asking you for anything but your best. That's why it says about Abel, Abel brought his best. We don't want to be people that just bring some. So oh, well, I give in a little in May and I'll give a little in September and I'll just, oh, I'll just kind of sporadically, oh, okay, I'll just get, I, oh, look here, I had 50 extra dollars at the end of the month. I'll just give God some of that. No, 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 no. God says, I want to be first. And if all you got is 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%, God wants to be first. It's more important that you do it intentionally and first than it is you get to the end and, all right, well, just kind of whatever's left over, I'll just kind of throw it to God at the end of the month. And if there's nothing left over, well, God, you're going to have to do better next month, right? Give me more, right? And I'll do better. No, 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 no. We're not giving God some. God says, put me first. So what does that look like for you? There's always the tension of these messages, right? It's like, no, no, no. You just start with your best. God knows what your best is right now, right? Because here's the truth, like, man, so some of us in this room, like, we've made just some really, like, we've made some bad decisions, right? We got credit card debt. We got all these things. We've overpurchased, and now it's like, oh, my God, we put ourselves in a bind, and it's a reality. And then you hear a message like this, and you're like, oh, oh, and now, oh, and now God wants 10%, or, or my vineyard is not going to uh, flourish, right? It's like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do with that? You just start where you are with what you can. Listen to me. If your best is $10 a month, give God your best. If that's all you can do right now, you bring that first $10 to God and you say, God, here is my 10. And then you say, and next month, I'm going to believe it's going to be 20. And next month, it's going to be 30. And I'm going to start measuring my time and measuring my treasure. And when I start doing that, I'm going to see that there's money going to things that aren't important to me. And so I'm going to take that money from what's not important. And I'm going to say, God, I'm going to use this money to put you first because I'm working my way to God, what you said belonged to you. And I don't want to rob you. And I don't want to steal from you. I want to return to you what belongs to you so that that blessing that you talk about can come upon me and my household. That's what I want. And you start where you are with what you have. Come on, I want you to stand with me today. Uh, we're going to throw the lead acrostic up there. Here's one of the things we're going to start doing. We're going to start today, but we're not going to start today. We'll start later. And that is once a month, what we're going to do for the purpose of, 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 of legacy. Okay. Because we have to live the legacy that we want to leave. We don't get to the end of our life and say, oh, I, I, I want to be remembered as a generous person. No, if I wasn't generous along the way, I don't get to be re remembered as generous, right? So one of the things that we're going to do once a month is we're just going to pass a bucket in our service, something we've never done here at North Point in our 10-year history. We always just have our giving boxes back there and you give online and text to give. But one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to pass a bucket for the purpose of doing what? Of systematizing a process. Of just being reminded. You know, before some of the people out there, look, I know, I, I look at, you know, before you're out there and you're like, oh, is the church doing bad financially? Now we're passing the bucket, right? Listen to me. Hey, we had the best financial year we've ever had in 2022. The best financial year in the history of North Point. This is not about where we are. This is about where you are. And this is about where God wants to take you and your family.
let's look at the lead, right? Systematizing my treasure helps me manage what's important. It just gives me a structure for it. My evaluation, am I currently giving God my first 10%? If the answer is that is no, then I say, okay, what percent can I give to God? But I want it to be first. I want it to be intentional. I want it to be impactful. I want it to be meaningful. And if it's 1%, it's 1%. If it's a $20, it's $20. Whatever it is, I want to give that to God. The application is start by bringing God the first of what you can. I could have just read that and said it right there. And then the D is just do it again. Just do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And keep bringing God the best. Better than some. Better than some. I don't want to get to heaven and say, God, I brought you some. I want to say, God, I I brought you my best. God, you knew what my best was, and I worked that best until I was able to turn it into what you actually asked for. And then I was able to go beyond that and be generous because of the way that you blessed me and my family. I want you to bow your heads today. Father, we we thank you today for your goodness and we thank you for your grace. God, we just take this moment and, and we just, we are reminded of the fact that you are a God who doesn't just make promises, you're a God who keeps promises. And Father, we don't want to be like Cain, just bringing some of what we have left over. But we want to be like Abel, bringing our best, the first, intentional, meaningful. We want to bring the first and trust in God as we bring our best and we bring our first, that your hand of blessing will come upon everything that is left over. God, we want to be people that do better than some. We want to bring our best to you because God, you gave your best to us. 2,000 years ago, when you gave us the very best gift you could when you gave us your son. That today our sins are forgiven, that we have new life, that your mercy is brand new every single morning, that we do not have to live in guilt, shame, and condemnation, but we can live free because the son has set us free. And because of that, God, we want to measure what's important. That's our relationship with you. And God, we want to manage what's important. So help us with our time and help us with our treasure. Help us with our time and help us with our treasure. God loves you. God wants the best. He wants his blessing upon your life. He's given us a pathway for it. And here's what I would ask you to do. If you... If you would today, just repeat this simple prayer right after me. Everybody in the room, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I need you. I need your love and your grace. I need your power and your forgiveness. I want to live my life to honor you, to build your kingdom. My relationship with you 
is important to me. And I want to measure it. And I want to manage it. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room today. And God, as we recognize your goodness and faithfulness to us throughout the years of our life, that we would realize that when it comes to finances, God, it's not about law and rules and things. God, it is simply about our hearts remaining in pure relationship with you. It is about returning our worship and what belongs to you. So God, help us in this journey to be people that don't just bring some, but people that bring our very best. Because God, that is what you deserve. You deserve our very best. And we love you. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, put an amen on that. Whenever you go pick up your kids, just say, hey, Pastor Philip was so sorry that he went over so much today, but wow, it was so amazing. If you could do that for me, that would be, uh, that would be amazing. Hey, uh, 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 I'm just going to, I never do this. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to be saying up here. I never close the service. Here's what I know we're going to do. Uh, we have our offering boxes located back there. Uh, if you have, if you have your tithes and offerings, you can drop it there. You can give online. You can text to give. Uh, you can get more information at the white tent out there out front. If you're a first time visitor, stop by. We have a gift for you. And, uh, here's one thing that we say every Sunday. We say the best is yet to come. And we say it because we really believe it because we believe that is the God that we serve, that the best is yet to come in our future. We say it together. I want you to say it with me at the count of three. One, two, three. The best is yet to come. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.